The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many times we feel paralyzed by fear and body hatred. In order to feel better about ourselves and live the life we really want to manifest, we have to own up to our difficult feelings and self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviors. We all enter this world naked. Now it's time to feel good naked. No matter what your body size or life circumstances, this is Feel Good Naked Radio. And your host is Laura Redmond. On this program, Laura will help you become more embodied, self-empowered, and mindful to take charge of whom you really are and to live the life you deserve to live. Now, here is your host, Laura Redmond. Hello, welcome to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am your host, Laura Redmond, and it's great to be here today. I hope everybody had a great holiday last week. And I missed being on the air, but we're here today with a really important show. Um, Before I even get started, I want to make sure that everybody knows that this is an adults-only show. So please, if you have any little ears hanging around or really anyone under 21, I would prefer they not allow themselves any sort of uh, listening to the show. It's it's a private show for adults. We're going to really unpack sexuality and the whole idea of sex and how it can be an empowering part of your life. And we're going to get very provocative. So being that it's provocative territory, good time to either put your earphones on or just make sure you're listening to the show in private if you are 21 or older. And I wanted to have a show about sexuality because one of the things I'm noticing in my midlife is that sexuality is everywhere as an empowerment uh, message. And, And I missed that in my own life. When I was younger, the sexual revolution had happened, but I was raised in a very divisive sort of mentality about sexuality. I grew up in New Orleans So there I would be with my mother walking down Bourbon Street, and in those days it was the most risque street. Now it's sadly become sort of a trashed area, but in my younger life it was where you would see women that were promoting a certain message that was sexually dangerous or off-limits. And then the other split for me was being raised in a very respectful home and having great education. But within those two worlds, I know I was very confused about sexuality. One message was be naked and free. And then the other message was you have to earn your respect before you ever even hold someone's hand. So now in my midlife, I keep seeing the message of sexuality as an empowerment tool, as a way to unleash your pleasure health connection. And this show is all about being embodied and being happy and having takeaway tools. So I wanted to unpack this very provocative idea, at least for me provocative, 
And also just to give you a language about sexuality, if like me, you have found that part of your own life stagnant, shut down, maybe a little bit shameful. Um, I know I've been very confused about sexuality in my life, and I was so lucky to be introduced to Amory Jane. Um, this would have been probably around, I think, July this past summer, and I didn't even know what she did, but we started talking, and I realized that we were both really committed to helping women in particular become more empowered And my book is all about being more empowered. And then she told me about the work that she does. So my guest today is Amory Jane. She is a national sex educator, a comedic storyteller, and she's the host of the podcast Sex on the Brain. She is also the education coordinator at SheBop in Portland, Oregon. Amory Jane has spoken on various panels about sex and sexuality. She has created award-winning material for Hump Film Festival and has presented workshops around the country about every aspect of sexuality. When she's not teaching or podcasting, you can find Amory Jane writing for SheBop's blog and looking at cute dogs on Instagram. She is also currently gearing up for her December 4th event, Whoopee, a sex-positive variety show, which will premiere at Crush Bar right here in Portland, Oregon. Tickets for this performance can be found online at brownpapertickets.com. So, Amory Jane, welcome to my show. Hello, good morning. Good morning to you, too. I am so happy to have you here, and I'm really, um, I feel very comfortable with you, and I think for many of us, the topic of sexuality and sexual pleasure is awkward and uh, uncomfortable. So I wanted to open today by just asking you if you hear other women say that often, if that's something you, you hear in your world. Oh, definitely. I hear that all the time. Um, You know, in Portland, sometimes I feel like I'm in a bubble. There's a lot of sex positivity and community here. People are very open-minded. But even within Portland, I hear people coming to me um, at SheBop, where I've worked for many years. People will come in and they'll be very quiet um, and not make eye contact sometimes because they have a lot of shame just about being in a sex toy shop. So that definitely happens. Um, but I have friends and acquaintances who contact me over Facebook and they're like, hey, I have this question, but I'm really embarrassed or I'm ashamed to ask it. So I hear it all the time, um, even within this bubble. And then through my travels, um, when I teach across the United States, I definitely hear about sexual shame all over the place, too. There's no one city I've been in where everybody is like, yeah, whatever, sexual shame. Like, it's it's a big part of our entire culture, I think. Well, it really is. And what I was saying in my opening was that, you know, we as women are raised, however we may be raised, to understand sexuality, to, to understand what it means in our journey of empowerment, and how to allow it in our own lives. And and so when you are in, and, and please tell our listeners what a sex shop is, but when you're in Shebop, the sex shop, what do you hear when women do open up to you about that confusion or dilemma within themselves with their sexuality? 
Yes. Yeah, so Shebop is a little bit of a unique type of sex shop. Um, we're a high-end boutique that has all-body safe sex toys, and we're really geared toward education. Um, it's a place that we advertise as being a safe space. People of all genders can come in. It's very female-friendly. So we make an environment that's really comfortable, a place for people to ask questions and work through some of their shame, um, which isn't necessarily the case for all sex toy shops, I should add. But um, when people come in, they definitely will come in with, uh, you know, concerns that they're not normal, for instance. Um, women especially will be concerned about body image or orgasm um, and think that they're broken if they've read something about how, quote-unquote, women are supposed to be, um, and they don't quite fit that, then they'll come to me with concerns. And when they come to you with concerns, or, I mean, I'm one of those women that's really never been inside of um, a, a store like Sheep Up. I, I'm one of those embarrassed types that would stay in the car and send my partner in or um, just choose to order online if I would be so brave to even do that. So, so I realize I've had great resistance to allowing that sort of pleasure and freedom within my own life. And I just wondered, like, when you do have someone who's brave to come in, and for many women, maybe it isn't even being brave. It's just they want to have sexual pleasure. They go to Sheep Up. It's a very impressive place, I've heard. I've yet to go inside. Um, but what, what, do you, what do you hear from women when they open up to you and they are able to articulate and this is obviously generally speaking, because I'm sure every customer is different, but give us a feeling uh, and all the listeners what it is you often will hear from both women and men, typically, when they're there and looking for guidance from you. Yes, yeah, so you're right that everybody has um, some different concerns and everybody is different. So I hear a lot of different things, but some of the common themes that I hear, um, especially from women I hear concerns about orgasm. Um, a lot of people will tell me that they've either never had an orgasm or it's really difficult for them to reach orgasm, and that's something that they want to have come a little bit easier to them. Um, one reason might just be for pleasure, that they want to experience that pleasure themselves, but there's also this idea of that they want to please their partner and they want their partner to feel like they're a good lover. And they feel like if they're not reaching orgasm, then they're not giving that partner like um, kind of like a, a benchmark for success. Like, sorry, you didn't, you didn't get me to orgasm. You didn't do your job right. Um, which is, of course, how I, uh, I don't encourage people to think of sex and orgasm that way. But that is one of the messages that we hear a lot of um, in the media. So people will come to me with that concern themselves and, and think like my partner is disappointed in me or they don't feel like a good lover because I have a hard time reaching orgasm. So that's definitely one of the biggest things. Um, another thing that I hear from a lot of women is around lubrication. So people who either haven't found a lubrication that they like and so they've given up but now they're experiencing discomfort during sex um, or people who used to produce enough lubrication on their own, but now they've gone through changes, whether that's through taking medication or through menopause, and they're just trying to adjust to that. Um, so a lot of people who need lubrication and 
feel embarrassed about it, who perhaps have a hard time even talking to their doctor, um, will come in and ask us their questions. Mm. From men, I hear all sorts of things, too. Um, Some people are afraid that they don't last long enough. Um, Some guys are afraid that they're taking too long. Um, So there's definitely this kind of perfect idea of what an orgasm should happen for a lot of people. And if they're not fitting that perfect exact time or what they consider a perfect time, then they think that there's something wrong. Um, And then just a lot of people who want to explore sex toys or kink BDSM with their partners and they don't know where to start and they're not even really sure if it's something they should be doing. So they kind of come in looking for not just physical tools and implements to, to help them with that, but they come in looking for knowledge and reassurance as well. And if you were to um, think about all these ways that you guide people and you are asked different questions, what would you say if we were to try to design a really healthy format and a forum for young people before they become adults with all of these fears or insecurities or unknowns, how do you feel when, when you educate sexually around the world, what is the one tool of sexual education that you feel could be much more applicable in a healthy society that would give people a greater sense of inner power in this way? Well, my number one thing that I teach in all of my classes is consent. I think consent is hugely important. I think that not only does consent Uh, protect us and have us feel empowered, but it makes for better communication when we ask for consent. And it uh, makes for people not getting as hurt. Um, And that can be obviously in like the large ways, uh, sexual assault obviously would be non-consensual, but even in smaller ways, um, partners who don't check in with each other about things first or don't have open communication. So I think consent's the number one thing for me, along with communicating. And communicating, that's obviously a really big topic, how to communicate about sex. But uh, as a starting place, what I do when I'm educating is just lead by example. So I do a lot of modeling. Um, When someone comes in and they're talking really quietly and not sure what words to use, I'll speak with confidence about sex and I'll use all of the words that they're afraid to say. Because if I say them first, it's easier for people to repeat them back. So, like, for instance, if someone comes in and they're like, I'm looking for a product that is in the shape of a ring and it goes on the, um, you know, and I'm like, on the penis? And then they're like, oh, okay, yes, I can say penis now because you said it. (laughs) Um, So that kind of thing, uh, just modeling for people how to talk about sex. So consent and communication are, are really big. They're the pillars of sex ed, in my opinion. And in terms of how, how would we start a program, how would we start a discussion about this, I think that um, if we're people like you and I who have podcasts, who have access to uh, the media, to having an audience, then just having these episodes where people can ask their questions um, more anonymously or, or they can email us because sometimes that's easier for people to start with that um, instead of face-to-face. Oh, yeah. And then that you makes, can go from there. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense because, again, I think when any, and when any topic promotes the feeling of shame or even guilt, 
there is a closure within the whole body as to mm-hmm. what that curiosity may be, what that education may include. And it's it's really the opposite direction one should go in. If there is any sense of shame or guilt, then it's important to really dig up what is at the base of that, that you can maybe get the education about to take away that shame and guilt. And, and that's what I got the feeling when we met that you are really helping people learn is how to be free and empowered, but mostly to get rid of that shame and guilt that is so often associated with sexuality and sexual pleasure. Absolutely. That's definitely a huge part of my job. Um, It's probably one of the biggest parts of my job as an educator. Like, yes, I do put together curriculums and I teach, but one of my biggest duties is helping people decrease their shame and feel more empowered. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that shame uh, is something that can feel shut down in your whole body. You can actually feel it in your body. It's not just a brain thing. It's not just a mental thing where you're like, I feel ashamed. Um, It's something that can really close you up. And those feelings of shame in your body are some of the things that might be contributing to some of the sexual issues that have you feeling shame in the first place. So it's kind of that loop, that negative uh, feedback loop where you're feeling shame in your body and that's maybe making it harder for you to orgasm or making it harder for you to connect to your partner. Um, And then you feel shame about those things. So it's definitely all connected and I often tell people that when they're learning about sex, one of the most important things is unlearning. So everything that you've been Mm -hmm. taught your whole life um, about what sex and sexuality is, I'd say a good percentage of that, just guessing based on the average American, a good percentage of that is probably crap and just needs to be tossed out the window. Um, So as much as we're learning about things, we also need to look back at everything we've learned and unlearn some of the negative stuff, some of the shameful stuff, some of the stuff that tells us we're not good enough, or some of the inaccurate information that we grew up with. It's just as important to take that and toss it out um, as it is to replace it with the new, comprehensive, accurate information. Exactly. The the paradigm of self-empowerment instead of shame. And, and we're going to take a quick commercial, but when we come back, I would love for our listeners to know more about how you gained the sort of confidence that you have sexually and what was your journey that took you to this important role that you play in many people's lives. So we'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, myth, reality, and 21st century archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to feelgoodnakedradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am your host, Laura Redmond, and today we have an adult-only show. So this is just for anyone, um, but you have to be 21 or older. We're unlocking some provocative territory with national sex educator Amory Jane. And when we went to commercial break, I asked Amory when we came back to please tell us as, as her audience today what her journey has been that gave gave her the sort of confidence and sexual empowerment to be a teacher for so many people across the country. So we want to know. It has certainly been a journey. (laughs) Tell us, please. Yeah. um, Well, I grew up in Indiana, so middle of the country. Um, I grew up near Lake Michigan and fairly close to Chicago, so I had a little bit of a big city influence, but the town I grew up in was actually fairly small, Um, and everybody knew each other, and everybody's business was everybody else's business. So that was an interesting environment to grow up in, um, in which to hear about sex. I had a mom that was a single parent um, that was not ashamed of of dating, and that probably shaped me in that I didn't grow up with a lot of the the slut shaming that other people did. I I wasn't really taught that being a, a promiscuous woman or a woman who enjoyed sex was necessarily a negative thing. So I'm very grateful for that um, in my upbringing. At the same time, uh, I was a really shy kid. I had a speech impediment. I was terrified of speaking in public and talking to people. So it's kind of funny that now I'm a a public speaker and I actually talk to people every day. Um, But in terms of my kind of my sexual journey, um, I'd say it was fairly average at first. Like as a, a Midwestern teenager, I had partners, um, you know, maybe for one or two years, if I was lucky, um, would date people for a little while. Um, and I didn't really sexually blossom until I moved out to Portland. Um, when I moved out to Portland, there was definitely a different feel. Uh, it's a very young city. There were a lot of people doing a lot of social things, a lot of people talking about sex and talking about dating, And that's where I started to explore. Um, I met an ex-partner of mine. Um, We were together for 10 years. And within the comforts of that relationship, I got to explore a lot of things, including non-monogamy. But it took many years of, of kind of asking myself every time I felt shame about something, like why that was. And as a really self-aware and self-reflective person, I think that helped me because I would kind of stop shame in its tracks when I realized what was happening. I'm also kind of a rebellious person. So every time I would get this internal message of not being good enough 
or that my desires were wrong or that I was broken, I'd be like, you know what? Screw you. No, I'm not. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I kind of fight with myself about it. And eventually people started pointing out that that wasn't necessarily normal. And they didn't say it in a bad way. They're like, it's so cool how sexually open you are, how liberated you are, how confident you are. And I was like, am I? That's, that's great. I didn't even quite realize it. And once enough people started pointing that out to me, uh, it made me think, well, maybe I should, I should go into this as a, as a career. I was in grad school to become a therapist. Um, I went to marriage and family therapy as my internship, and I saw a few couples. I saw a lot of teenagers and a lot of teenagers who had questions and a lot of misconceptions about sex. And my favorite part of my job as a therapist was actually helping people with their sex lives and talking to them about sexual shame and empowerment. And so instead of continuing with uh, the path as a therapist, I decided to go into teaching instead. So that's kind of been my journey. And it's an ongoing journey for sure. Like I still catch myself sometimes. I'm still a regular person. Um, So I have a lot of my own issues that I work through on a regular basis. And sometimes I will reach out to other sex educators and be like, hey, I know this isn't a thing that I should maybe be feeling embarrassed about, but I do. So can we talk about it? And we kind of all reach out to each other that way. I think that's so great to have a community because the truth is in this human incarnation, we all get hit with vulnerability or fear. And when we have a community of strong educators um, and others that are doing the same sort of personal work that we're, that I, I know that you and I are both devoted to, it becomes a place to go to continue the education and to continue living the life that you're here to teach. So one of the things that I, I wanted to ask you with what you just said was that um, do you believe that true power is in those places that you fear the most, you know, like going, going towards that which you fear in order to be liberated from that particular experience? I do. I think that fear is a really big motivator if we let it. Often we don't let it. We just have it break us down um, and completely debilitate us, but if we really listen to our fears and get comfortable with them, like sit down with them face to face and be like, all right, buddy, listen, I know you're here. I want to figure out what's up with you. Um, I might not be able to eradicate you, but I can at least understand you and work with you. Um, When I think people look at fear that way, it's a little easier to channel that into power. Um, Like for example, like a really small example this week, is a really very busy week for me. And on Sunday, I was looking at my calendar and was just like, oh my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this week. I teach a lot. I have my own podcast and I'm going on this podcast on Thursday morning and I have my show on Sunday and I just started panicking and the the fear was setting in um, that I wasn't going to be able to accomplish all the things that I needed to accomplish. But I felt myself kind of starting to get sucked down into that hole and I was like, no, no, no use that fear and use it as energy. So even though I'm still very scared of uh, getting through everything this week, it's given me a lot of energy. I'm kind of channeling that fear into power and have just been kicking ass all week. And part of it is because I've been afraid, um, because Mm -hmm. I've been anxious. And so I do think that there's something to that um, in something as simple as, 
you know, a busy week, but also in terms of sex. Sexuality. Some, so when you yeah. when you talked about couples and your when you were training to become a licensed therapist and you would see couples mm-hmm. and then that led to sex education, because I think fear, interestingly, is something that does come up sexually between a lot of couples once they're together. So what would be the way that you've experienced um, and and I don't. I'm not interested in whether it's a heterosexual couple or a same-sex couple, or um, but but just in terms of two people who are trying to navigate the sexual path together. Talk to us about what you would say are problems that you often hear, and then how you create solutions, or what you would recommend as a language between two people, whoever those two people are, as they try to navigate a sexual life together? Sure. Um, I think a fear of honesty is definitely a big part of it. And that doesn't mean that people are out there lying to each other. Um, What that means is people are afraid of opening up and being honest in the first place. A lot of times they just don't know how to approach conversations because they're afraid of the kind of feedback they would get or the kind of reaction they would get. So let's say someone is dissatisfied in their sex life and they have ideas of what they might want more of. Let's say what they might need more of uh, would be romance um, or foreplay Maybe things have gotten a little stale and they want to try something new. Or maybe it's something like that they're interested in um, exhibitionism or going to a sex club or something more kinky. Whatever it may be, they think about it and then they feel the shame and that shame prevents them from reaching out. Um, and then the fear of, of what would happen if they did tell their partner and their partner rejected them. That whole idea of being rejected is enough for some people to just never open up. And so my Mm -hmm. suggestion for that is to just really work on that fear of communicating and that fear of honesty, which is much easier said than done. But it is something like pretty much anything else. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. I remember... I was going to say, I remember when I wanted to um, open up my relationship, when I was with my partner who I was with for 10 years, and I wanted to have an open relationship, that was one of the scariest conversations of my life. And the way I went about it, I I couldn't even be direct at first. It was more of a, hey, so you know these friends of ours, they're doing this thing um, called ethical non-monogamy that I've started reading about because they were telling me about it. It sounded interesting. And the more I read, the more I think this could be a thing I'm into. And so I kind of took it as not just, um, hey, this is me and this is what I want, but I kind of made it like a, this is intellectually interesting to me and potentially more. Um, Would you like to read more about it with me? And even though that wasn't a super direct way of communicating about it, it was really effective and it kind of took the pressure off of me um, for feeling rejected and then it also because it was a little less personal to be like hey I learned about this thing do you want to learn about it with me instead of being like this is what I want to try and then instantly being rejected Um, so it was really helpful to do that and it was also easier for my partner I think to hear it that way at first because it didn't feel like there was so much pressure it didn't feel like a thing that I had just been like fantasizing 
about and dreaming about since day one. Um, because when partners hear those kinds of things, whether it's um, I want to try non-monogamy or I would like to try, you know, whatever new thing in the bedroom, when they hear that, they often hear the invisible sentence that comes after that, which is because what you're doing right now is not good enough, even if that's mm-hmm. not what your partner is saying at all. And usually it's not, but that's what people hear. Um, they hear you're not good enough. And so it's hard, like, as the person hearing that information to not feel defensive or hurt. And so I would say for, for both partners to work on um, the fear of honesty and also to work on how to hear things, um, to not listen to them with um, defensiveness or emotional reaction, just to hear someone out and to really listen. And if it feels too overwhelming with what they just said, just to say, you know, I, I need a little bit of time to think about that. And then to mull it over and to do some of your research online first and kind of get an idea. Um, one thing that has helped a lot of people I know is going on a website like Reddit, which has a lot of people in real life talking about their experiences with things, um, kinky things, uh, non-monogamy, whatever it may be. There's a whole subreddit about sex and so people can read what other people are doing and sometimes that actually helps us when we read about other people's experiences because we're not involved we feel less emotional we feel less defensive about it we can listen to it and go oh that makes that makes sense I see why those people are doing it now I can kind of understand my partner better because we kind of look at our partners through these different filters than we look at other people does that make sense? Totally, but what do you do if your partner, and and just to repeat the takeaway tools, you want to consult with your partner about your honest feelings, and what do you do if you try that verbal exchange and your partner is just absolutely not open or interested or able to meet you in that experience? I think it depends. Um, If they outright just reject you without listening to you at all, that would be a concern to me. Um, That might be something that people would want to go to a sex therapist about um, if your partner is willing to go to a sex therapist because sometimes people are just um, very shut down that they will shut out anything that makes them a little bit uncomfortable. And that's not necessarily your job as a partner to... um, you know, to crack someone open and have them let you in. But I would say that, you know, let's say you mentioned something like, I want to try BDSM. I've been reading about it. It seems really hot. It seems like something I would be interested in. And your partner's like, absolutely not. There's no way I could ever do that. Um, At that point, you know, you have a decision to make. You can continue uh, asking them questions like, well, why do you think it is? Is it all things about BDSM? Or maybe it's they have misconceptions that it means people getting hurt. And so maybe they just need more knowledge about it and then more understanding and can be more open to certain aspects of it. So I think it's, it can be important to figure out why people are shut down about it. If it's a lack of knowledge, if it's a triggering subject, um, if it's just a complete disinterest. But if someone is just completely like, nope, that concerns me. Um, because I think that even if you don't like an idea, to still at least be open to talking about it and hearing from your partner and seeing if there are compromises that can be made. 
I think that's sometimes such, there can be. Yeah, I think that's such a good point with relationship beyond even sexuality is that whole idea of negotiate, compromise, but most important, again, the takeaway is to communicate. So would you tell everybody, by the way, what BDSM is? Yeah, so BDSM is an acronym. Um, it's an umbrella term for a lot of different kink activities, but each of the letters stands for something different. So the B is for bondage. The D is for discipline. Uh, the DS together in the middle is for dominance and submission. And then the SM is sadomasochism. So it's a variety of kink practices um, and a lot of different things can fit in there. So like if you use uh, rope to tie somebody up in the bed or if you're into consensual face slapping, for instance, um, or you like spanking, those are all things that would fit under the BDSM umbrella. And I want to repeat what your most important word was there, which was consensual, because um, the most important thing that I've learned in my midlife is if there is going to be a liberated sexual experience, no matter what, there has to be a consensual agreement with the partner and certainly respect for each other. So if you could just speak to that for a second so that everybody really gets that that is super, super important. Absolutely. Um, Doing things against people's consent is a violation, and it can cause a lot of hurt and a lot of issues for people. Um, So it's really important to negotiate with people um, to get an enthusiastic yes. So in an example of something like consensual face slapping, um, let's say someone says, you know what, I really want to be slapped in the face during sex. And the partner is like, oh, that sounds scary. I don't want to do that. And they say, well, what if we watch a video about it? There are instructional videos. And the partner is like, okay, if I can do it safely and know I'm not going to hurt you, then that would be great. They watch a video together. They check in and they're like, yeah, let's try this. Um, But, you know, I'm going to slap you lightly at first. And if it um, hurts, I want you to let me know. I'll ask you a scale of one to ten how that feels so I can kind of get a gauge. Um, And so it's kind of like an ongoing discussion and it's a checking in with each other. But the important thing is that you are getting permission and you're... Uh, talking about every step of the way. And consent is something that is, it needs to be ongoing and it needs to always be renegotiated. It's not like um, you do it once and you're fine. It's not like yeah. if you get married to someone, you give them consent to do anything with you or to you now. It's something that for every activity needs to be checked in about over and over again. And it's not just a BDSM thing. Consent is for everything. Um, all kinds of sexual situations, but even just for non-sexual touch as well. There's a big uh, discussion right now about people who, you know, it's kind of always been the norm in our culture that if you have relatives come over and you have children, then you're like, go give grandma a hug or whatever, like telling your kids to go hug. And there's kind of been a pushback about that lately um, that we should be teaching children consent from a very young age and that their bodies, they are responsible for their bodies, their bodies belong to them, and so that um, if gra- grandma should ask for the hug, and then they have the um, power to either say yes or no to that. 
um, instead of it just being an obligation. So we teach people really early on that they don't have to feel obligated just because they're related to somebody or, you know, in a relationship, married to somebody to do anything with their body or anything that might make them uncomfortable. Absolutely. Uh, we we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to feelgoodnakedradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. You're listening to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am your host, Laura Redmond, and today's show is for adults only, 21 or older. We're opening many provocative thoughts and territory and ideas about sexuality with national sex educator, Amory Jane. When we went to break, she was speaking about the importance of consent. So um, we're giving you many takeaway tools today, the first one being that honesty and communication is number one with a partner certainly when sexuality is included and really with anything else as well. And then the second takeaway tool is consent. You must always respect consent. So, Amory, did you want to say anything more about consent before we move to the next thought process? Uh, I would just say that, like anything else, um, practice is going to make it easier. So I know I said that earlier about uh, dealing with shame as well and with being honest, but it's true. Consent at first might feel awkward if we're not used to that kind of language, but eventually it becomes really natural. And it's one of the best tools that we can give ourselves and um, help other people with as well. What would you say is the most powerful aspect of a healthy sexuality? Ooh, that is a good question and a little bit tough to answer. (laughs) The most important aspect of a healthy sexuality. I mean, self-respect is very important for that. Um, With self-respect, I think we also get self-confidence as well, and that can go a very long way for a, a healthy and empowered sex life. Um, And boundaries, I think, are really important. Knowing our own boundaries and being firm on our own boundaries and 
listening to other people's boundaries as well. And then once you know your own boundaries, if you want to explore pushing those a little bit more, then that's something you can do too. So those all kind of work together. Um, Feeling confident, feeling empowered, um, being honest with yourself, being self-reflective, those are things that will actually help with that too. So it all kind of works together. It's interesting because Mama Gina, I mentioned her to you at break. She's the woman behind the huge movement of womanly arts, um, and she has a school in New York. But in her book that recently came out, uh, the name of which is Pussy, a Reclamation, one of the quotes that I read that I thought was so interesting, and this goes to the question I just asked you, is she says that she believes that the erotic is where a woman's confidence lives and this is the where her power is sourced and where she connects to her deepest feelings and longings. So what would you say to that quote? Would you where would you take that? Do you believe it is that impactful in the journey of a person's confident life? From a personal point of view, absolutely. Um, I find that I walk through the world feeling really powerful. And I've always looked at myself and wondered why that was true. I'm like, am I just that cocky? Um, And then I realized (laughs) that it really comes from the erotic and through sexual confidence. It does have me feeling very powerful um, within myself and out in the world. And so I know personally that would be true. I know other people I've talked to, some of the most powerful women I know, um, some of the most confident women I know are, are women who have really explored their erotic side and gotten in touch with their desires and who are confident in who they are as a person, um, especially sexually. So I think that that could absolutely be true. It's not to say that that's the only way of um, feeling empowered or finding your power, but it is a huge part of it. And I think that if the opposite is happening, if we feel sexually disempowered, if we have a lot of sexual shame, that can affect our confidence in every single area of our lives, not just in the bedroom, but out there um, in our social life and at work. It all, again, it's all linked. Um, If we have one area where we're really struggling or really feeling a lot of shame, there's no way to really compartmentalize that. Uh, successfully, eventually, it's going to wear us down in other in other ways because we are whole humans. We're not humans who are like pie charts where like we have this one little chunk that is just for our sex lives. Sex and is a part of our whole lives. Exactly. And so that's what I was starting the show today with by admitting that for me, that's the part of my journey that I'm trying to now have enough trust to really look at because I think that sex appeal is an inside job and it's something that is a direct conduit to your self-esteem, your self-confidence, your radiance. It's a lightning rod to your highest self. Um, And I think when we think of it like that, it becomes as important as exercise and eating well and um, having healthy relationships. So, I would love for you to help the listeners, if there's someone out there listening who just feels really shut down sexually, and they're not able to access that kundalini of their soul self, what would be a first step 
for someone who needs to reawaken that radiance and that self-confidence in themselves? Well, I think that there could be a few different first steps depending on people's personality and depending on where they're at. For most of us, I'd say the most basic first step would be acknowledging um, that they are feeling shut down and deciding that they want to change. So it sounds a little bit like AA, um, but yeah, acknowledging uh, the issue and that you want to change it. But from there, I'd say the next place kind of depends. Some people, it might be going to a retreat if they have the resources for that and really just diving into a whole experience um, with educators and other people who are going through the same thing. Other people, it might be a little bit more of a dip-your-toe-in type of situation where they'll start by getting education through reading a book or through going online and reading forums and seeing how other people are doing it. But I think that sexual knowledge is a huge part of, of starting to feel empowered. It's much easier to feel empowered when we have the tools and the knowledge. So to start with some sort of education, whether that's um, online or through a book or through a retreat, some cities like Portland have classes. Um, places like Shebop will offer classes. So that can be a good place to start too because not only do you get the knowledge there, but you get to look around a room and see multiple other people who are dealing with that too. And sometimes that can be a thing that helps us. Uh, if we think we're alone or we're the only ones who are feeling shut down and everyone else out there is all sexually liberated, that can increase those shame feelings. So to look around and see other people. Um, for other people, it might be finding someone in your life who really does radiate that confidence. Um, perhaps another woman who you look up to and, and who you respect uh, for her sexual liberation or for her confidence and asking her if you can talk to her, having a conversation about how she came to that place. Um, it, almost like a mentorship if people are willing to do that. I think that can be super helpful too. That's a great idea. And what about sexual toys, safe toys, just to reawaken that energy mm-hmm. in the body? Absolutely. I think in general, self-love um, and masturbation can go a very long way. Uh, a lot of our sexual shame is also tied in with body shame. And so doing more um, things that have us feel love for our body and appreciation for our body can be really helpful. Um, with sex toys, it can be a great way of exploring what we like and a great way of exploring pleasure. For some people, it's going to be the only way they can orgasm because they need the consistency that a motor, that a vibrator can provide. Um, for other people, it's something that helps them with a partner, um, helps them reach orgasm. So I think sex toys, in addition to just being like really fun and super hot, uh, can also be great tools for sexual empowerment as well. And one of the cool things about that is that now we have uh, shops like Shebop or other progressive uh, pleasure shops in the country where you can go in and you can talk to the sales associates because they're all trained as sex educators. So you can go in and ask your questions. Um, you don't have to just go in blindly and be like, oh, there's hundreds or thousands of toys here. I'm just going to have to randomly pick out one because, I don't know, I like the color of it. Um, now that you can go into a shop and have your questions answered, you can um, really figure out what you're looking for and have a professional help you with that. So 
so I think that that can be really good. If you are looking to explore sex toys, I would recommend a progressive pleasure shop. There's actually something called the Progressive Pleasure Club, which are female-friendly, body-safe, um, small stores around the country. So you can look them up online and see if there's one near you. And if anybody wants to talk to you privately or personally or to get more information about all these great takeaway tools that you've shared, I want all the listeners to know that you can reach Amory Jane at amoryjane.com, which is spelled A-M-O-R-Y-J-A-N-E dot com, amoryjane.com. And just before we close, I want to ask you if there was one thing that everybody could do today that would be a confidence sensual builder, um, what would be your answer to that? I know what mine is, but I'd like to hear what yours is before I answer what I I would I would share as mine. One thing today that everybody can do just to feel more embodied. I, I want to say something um, that is more profound than what I'm thinking, but my first instinct is to masturbate <laughs> and not just to like have a quickie with yourself and, and go out the door, but to really uh, be present with yourself, to pay attention to your body, to appreciate your body, um, to thank it for the sensations that you feel and the pleasure it can provide and to do some self-love, um, some affirmations. I know that sounds corny. You don't have to look in a mirror and be like, AJ, you are the most beautiful person. Like, it doesn't need to be that way. But um, to touch yourself sensually, it doesn't even have to be about orgasm. But just to, to feel in tune with your body and to say good things about your body um, and to thank it for the, the pleasure it can provide. I think masturbation is something that can be really, really helpful for feeling empowered and feeling confident. And, and I believe that looking in the mirror and saying an affirmation is actually very powerful. Louise Hay, who's one of my favorite educators, is a big believer in mirror therapy. So I think that is actually a great takeaway tool and not corny because when you can look in a mirror and say something positive to yourself about yourself, you start to rewire the negative messaging or the shame brain. And I think that's incredibly important. And and I was going to add just to really note your breathing, like how mm-hmm. your breath, deepen your breath, inhale, peace, exhale, fear, and use those simple words, you know, just to deeply inhale, peace, exhale, fear, inhale, peace, exhale, shame, you know, using breath to remind us that we are in these beautiful bodies, and we might as well learn to enjoy them and to honor them with whatever time we have with them. Definitely. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. Amory Jane, thank you so much for your time, for your expertise, for your great takeaway tips and tools. Again, if anybody wants to contact Amory, it's the best way to do it is amoryjane.com, and that will lead you to her social media and all of her exciting events across the country. We wish you great luck with your show on December 4th. And I just want to remind everyone listening that the most important thing you can remember is that you complete you. Thank you, Amory. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. 
Please join us again live next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be you and feel great in your own skin.